everyone. Welcome to another episode of Biohacking Beauty Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. My guest today is none other than celebrity trainer Joshua J. Holland. And let me tell you, this guy is a wealth of experiential knowledge and wisdom. He is a, you know, in his own right, a dedicated biohacker. He's a really state-of-the-art fitness trainer, a holistic health coach, and we're going to talk about what holistic means to him, and a sports professional. What we talked about a lot and something that really, you know, describes him as a champion philosophy. He champions the philosophy of awareness through experience and has subsequently spent years consulting with elite professionals uh, with the goals of uh, to build a vast well in which to draw from when in, in evoking alignment of body, mind, and spirit to his clients. His approach to uh, his ideology and his approach to life and his life's work are based on principles that highlight effectiveness, efficacy, and quantifiability because we cannot change what we cannot measure. His passion stems from kindling a state of bodily wholeness through connecting his extensive web of, of like-minded individuals, which is really amazing. His vast experiential knowledge base has created a very sought-after following in the world of health, wellness, fitness, and lifestyle. As I said, he works with, uh, with some of the world's most renowned uh, musicians, actors, and he, what, what he specializes in is to fine-tune their physical and spiritual bodies, which is why I was very excited to have him on. He endeavors to give his utmost through his vast exploration into a really a plethora of healing modalities for the purpose of restoring people to prime physical and spiritual wellness and awareness. Uh, yeah, very, very excited for you guys to listen to this conversation. You're going to learn. We, we try to tap into his mind to, to understand the processes that he is going through uh, and he's putting people through. We're, get, we're going to talk a lot about awareness. We're going to do a deep dive on how to use awareness in order to change and to affect our lives. And you're, you really will, what, what I hope you take away from this podcast is how to create modalities and habits that will enhance your life, obviously enhance your skin health, but really enhance every area of your life which you will choose to enhance. Before we start with this episode, I'd like to remind everyone that we rely on you for this uh, podcast's growth. So it would mean the world to me and to us here at the Yangus uh, Biohacking Beauty Podcast if you took two seconds out of your day to subscribe to the podcast. Not only does this ensure you will never miss on an episode, but also greatly helps the growth of this podcast. Last but not least, I'm reminding you this podcast is brought to you by Young Goose, the biohacking beauty skincare. And what we do here at Young Goose, the company I co-founded, is we target to lower the functional age of the skin and then give the skin specific tasks that it can perform optimally, whether it is uh, wrinkle reduction, tightening, uh, reduction in, in pigmentation, increased hydration, reduction in acne, 
in overall health and glow with the leading edge of longevity science. So give it a chance at www.eongoose.com. And now without further ado, please welcome Joshua J. Holland. Hi, Joshua. Uh, Welcome to the Biohacking Beauty Podcast. Thank you. Much appreciated. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. And, you know, I I love being on the other side of of an interview. In fact, you know, as you most likely know, I have my own podcast. And so it it does excite me to kind of be on the other side. So I don't have to worry about anything except answering some questions and, and, and furthering a conversation. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So as, as I told you off air, this podcast is a hybrid podcast, if you would. It's called the Biohacking Beauty Podcast, but really we are not, we're not talking a lot about how you should apply moisturizer on your face. Most of the discussions are like, how do we optimize ourselves as human beings uh, in order to have it manifest itself in better skin, et cetera. But obviously a skin is just, it's just another organ, really. We need to take care of the organism in order for it to function correctly. And that is exactly why I love bringing on people such as yourself, because you really are, you know, the full package as far as uh, how do we cultivate that uh, better human. So, you know, maybe in short, maybe tell me a little bit about what you're doing right now from, from, from your own words and what you are interested in. Okay, sure. And, and when you, what you're looking for, is this in general or just specifically to, to sort of like skincare routines and things like that? In general, in general. general. So, so obviously you're a very successful, let's call it guide, you know, you're, you, you train people, that's maybe the day to day, but you are, but I love consuming the information, the information that you put out there is that, that guide to inner and outer wellness. So I would really Mm. like to hear how you describe it and how you uh, present what you are doing. Sure. Yeah. So I like to look at things as a whole, right? And, and I, I really adopted and adapted this, this terminology, holistic trainer or holistic health coach. And lately I've been, I've been using more of the phrase health optimization coach. And I do like the term guide because in fact, my logo that I created for my personal brand Mm -hmm. is actually a labyrinth, right? And there's a lot that goes in this, you know, there's my initials, JJH on either side. X marks the spot kind of in the center of this. But the idea of a labyrinth versus a maze is that the idea is to enjoy the journey. And if I can help to illuminate the the path by holding a light, then I've done my job, right? So I feel like I want to be my own guide, but also help to be a guide for others to optimize their health and wellness and whatever that means, right? Sometimes Mm -hmm. it might just be, you know, I may take the approach of just listening so as a health coach, I have people that are that have been in psychosis. I have people that have been suicidal, and we may not talk about one movement or one you know exercise at all. It might literally be an entire session around you know the health of your your mental state. And then at the same time, on the other end of the spectrum, I have clients that only know me as a fitness trainer. For many years, you know, I was known as a celebrity fitness trainer, and I wanted to kind of get out of that title out of that that hole because I didn't want to be known as a person that only does physical exercise with high net worth individuals. You know, it's just kind of a, a whole package. So 
when working with me, you may learn things about like best ways to eat, best ways to take care of your skin, best ways to meditate and do breath work and sleep. And I put it all together in a, a phrase called health optimization. Yeah. Interesting. You know, as you said, what kind of got you notoriety or whatever clout, whatever you want to call it, is is not only what you do, but the people you do who you do it for or with, right? Celebrities, etc. People that are high. I would say just people who are at the peak of whatever they chose to be at the peak of. And what I'm curious is, what was the chicken and what was the egg, right? Was it that you were their their coach and then you understood in order to really optimize that person, they needed more than a set of movements? Was that a, a requirement from them? How did you evolve from that movement aggregator and let's call it the pipeline of, of knowledge to a pipeline of knowledge that, that, that does more than movement? It's a very good question. And something that I, early on in my career, I kind of put a lot of thought into. And then I think I've since let that go a little bit, but it's mm -hmm. nice that you bring this question up because it allows me to think about it again. But I do recall when I, when I first was becoming well-known as a fitness trainer, especially like what, I mean, my path to this whole world, this whole industry was, is very unusual, very unique mm -hmm. in that one of my first big clients was Madonna. And, you know, from there, one can imagine that there's a lot of word of mouth and she has this, this wide net of, of people that she is connected to. So there's one degree of separation between someone like her and someone, you know, that is the top of their game in another industry, right? Mm -hmm. So it was easy for me to network. But what I started to notice is that when, when trust is built within a trainer and a client, it very easily becomes more of like a friendship and then more of like a family relationship. Mm -hmm. And once that trust is built, then sometimes it's easier to ask the question of like, well, hey, what are your thoughts about diet? Because I like the way you look. I like the way you dress. I like the way you talk. I like the way you explain things. I would much prefer to ask you than to maybe ask a physical therapist because I just don't like going to physical therapy. So maybe can you go and mm -hmm. speak with the physical therapist and then report back? Or can you go to the surgeon or can you talk to the, you know, the nutritionist? And I started to notice that there was a there was a path being created for me to be a one stop shop mm -hmm. and not that I ever want or profess to know everything, but I do want to have a lot of experience in many things. And so if I realized that I could get more compliance out of someone working with me, like I would very openly say, hey, I may not know everything there is to know about this, but here's my experience on this. Right. And so that just made it easier to go, hey, I was at. I don't know, the the physical therapist with a client of mine who just had knee surgery and he was talking about X, Y, and Z. And maybe this is why you have a little bit of the knee pain that we were talking about in the last session. Yeah. And now you see them go, wow, like my trainer is is thinking uh, thinking about me beyond just this last session we had, you know? And yeah. so it just kind of snowballed from there. Interesting. Yeah, it's, you know, it's a very good, it's a very interesting, like, uh, window into the life of someone who is well known, right? Because, you know, we, we talked a little bit about uh, jujitsu before, before uh, we, we were on air. And, uh, you know, obviously, that's a microcosm of it. But you can see people who are very su successful at the gym, then people who are newer or whatever, the demeanor completely changes when they address someone who is a little bit more well known, known or something like that. So, 
you tend to, I assume you tend to, and we can see, you know, when we go to places that we are, you may be like a focal point or someone that people would like to know, we can see how the, you know, the people address us differently than my shopkeeper or whatever that is. Right. So I wonder if you are also becoming that person that is, that is now, you know, the, the gatekeeper to, you know, a grow a grow, growing growing you know reservoir of knowledge right because because they cannot have a lot of people that they feel address them and treat them like a normal human being so they have to have allocated like points of authority for for fewer and fewer people as you become that you know very well known person that people feel like they they need to address a certain way and and that becomes a little bit weird yeah, I think I think you know back to what I was saying earlier, and to a- address what you just mentioned, I think that gets built over time mm-hmm. when the trust is built, right? And so, of, of course, just like with any other situation or any other person, you know, the more times you do something, the better prepared you are, hopefully, right? Yeah. And so now, because of this point in my career, it's like it's nothing for me to interact with another, you know, person that I might look up to or a celebrity or whatever. And it's, and it's, it's so much easier now because the, the barriers have been, have been lowered a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. There's still barriers. Obviously there's still points in which I have to, I have to cross or or work through, but it's just a little bit easier because I've done it time and time and time and time and time again. So now it's almost like, you know, you know the difference between someone who really needs this next gig mm-hmm. versus someone who can choose to take the gig or not. Mm-hmm. It's a very different scenario. Yeah, very different scenario. So yeah. when I say to someone, you know, like like a, a celebrity might come into town into New York and think, okay, I'm so and so, so I'm going to reach out to Josh. I need a trainer. He's going to drop everything to train me, and I'm going to say, oh well, no, I this whole next month is unavailable because I'm away or whatever. Um, And they're shocked sometimes. Right. And that's not me putting on an act. That's just truthfully me. And just like any person, they want what they can't have sometimes. So Mm -hmm. it's like, well, wait, why is he not available? Is there someone else that's more important than me? (laughs) (laughs) So it's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I I mean, there is a double, not even like a double entendre there, right? Like it's more about whatever, your priorities and, and, you know, pre premeditated schedule is, that's what it is. So if someone does get attention, it means they really get it or they really deserve it or whatever that is, you're really there for them. So even more than I think the simple human, you know, want of whatever they cannot get, it's like, it's an understanding that when I do get a time with you, you're really, you're, you're really there committed for me. So to me, so it's, it's very interesting. So yeah, within that framework of you now taking a new client and um, new client or someone that you haven't worked with in a while, or someone that you're trying to approach their, their health and wellness as a whole, do you have maybe uh, some tenants you, you go through? What is your philosophy in building someone's wellness world, wellness understanding? Really good question. And I think this is a perfect opportunity to plug my book. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I have a book called The Awareness Shift, uh-huh. right? And as you see this book currently, this is the first edition or the first version. And um, 
any week now, any day now, the newer edition that is is now self published. Mm-hmm. It has a different, a slightly different cover and a few more things added to it. But that's essentially the framework of mm-hmm. of everything I do. And so I wanted to come up with a resource in the form of a book that was easily digestible, pun intended, um, <laughs> and broken down into five pillars of of what I think is sort of my. The, like the staples or the tenants within how I build everything, right? Mm-hmm. And those five pillars are quickly. Each of them start with this this adjective quality because mm-hmm. I want to be able to I want people to understand that all these things are on a spectrum, right? And so, first pillar, most important to me in my book is quality awareness. Mm-hmm. Second pillar is quality rest and recovery. Mm-hmm. Third pillar is quality consumption. Fourth pillar is quality activeness. And the fifth pillar, final pillar is quality exercise. Mm-hmm. And when I break all those down, a lot of times people who know me as being a, a celebrity trainer, or fitness trainer, they think, well, why is quality exercise last? And that's because in, in, in the way I think about things, the exercise component should be the icing on the cake, yeah. the proverbial cake, right? It should be the thing that we do that like when you have the time or when you have the energy or when you have a moment or, you know, whatever you want to push the limits to something, then, then you do quality exercise. But if you're doing everything else upstream properly, quality exercise just literally becomes fun. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's not a thing we have to do. Again, it goes back to, you know, having to take the gig versus choosing to take the gig. If you're doing steps one through four properly, then you can choose when you want to work out. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I find so many people coming to me saying, yeah, but I work out, you know, five days a week, six days a week, and I still can't lose the weight. And sometimes I'm like, well, have you thought about, are you even aware of the fact that you might need to recover, take some days off from rest, you yeah. know? So, so that's kind of the framework on, on how I look at a situation whether I take that first phone call or, you know, I get that first text message or email to say, Josh, you know, do you have any availability in your schedule to work with me? I'm kind of, I, it starts the moment that they reach out. So how quickly do they respond? You know, there's a number of things and it's kind of, it's really hard to explain. I have to almost sit with someone to kind of coach them through my process. But it's like from the moment that we you first reach out, Till the moment I see you in person or I physically am, am, am working with you, there's a lot of things that are happening. And it just be, it's because I've done it so often. Yeah. Right. And and I can also tell if someone is really stressed out just by the way that they message me or call me. I can tell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I yeah. Especially especially because, as you mentioned before, that person that needs needs the gig and, pe- and the person that doesn't, there is this uh, subconscious, you know, energy that that you emit whatever that is that that notifies the other person what kind of state you're on right and uh, you know I, I i connect so much with what you were saying about awareness um all the pillars because you could really for us you can really change the fifth pillar to skincare you know you really need the first four pillars and even maybe actually because the exercise should also be there maybe that's the sixth pillar right <laughs> because Right. Because we talk so much about awareness and about, let's call it about meditation, whatever that is, uh, internal well-being in this podcast. Because to make a long story short, there is a reason, you know, placebo works 30% of the time. Our, our mind is the, the number one culprit for our wellness. And if our mind is not tuned into whatever we're trying to achieve, nothing else is going to work. You mentioned stress, obviously, 
but it's way more than that because even stress. So, for example, I was giving a lecture here at, in a, at a hotel in, in Miami called Faina, and uh, they mm-hmm. do wellness uh, events once in a while. And I came to talk about the. They do a lot of, a lot of like um, meditation meditation oriented. Um, wellness events and i came to talk about the relationship between stress and the skin and stress Mm. really is when we talk about any one of the pillars we can then actually extrapolate it to a certain type of stress right when you eat you are stressing the system uh it depends on which foods etc i mean workout obviously each one of the pillars and stress that we talk about when we say stress and negative stress it's actually stress that our body subconsciously perceives as something that it cannot handle that's when stress becomes destructive stress that that we perceive that we can handle is actually normally leading to positive results like most of the results we get in our life is stress that we've managed to deal with properly you know someone that doesn't have any stress in their lives period good or bad is a couch potato that looks like a potato that you know goes beyond looking like a potato right, right. so i super resonate with uh, with what you were saying how would you like describe the first pillar if someone didn't get the idea of awareness how would you try to explain it to them so the awareness is is again like the name of the book is called the awareness shift so if if it wasn't very very important then it would probably have a different title mm-hmm. and it makes sense once you kind of get to know me and how i think it would it makes sense that awareness is number 1 it's the thing that that at some point throughout a person's life they are either open to finding it yeah. or it finds them right by by a multitude of ways so for instance some people hit rock bottom and have to hit rock bottom to become aware yeah other people can search out for it by by means of meditation but it's simply this this introspection which is sort of searching within to find where you are and Mm -hmm. what what meaning what the what kind of meaning we have in life and it doesn't mean that you have to to go very esoteric and understand spirituality and all these things it could simply mean hey why why do i always get hungry at this point of the day Mm -hmm. right and it it's sometimes it just call it just means asking yourself certain questions again that goes back to introspection searching within but why do i act the way i do why do i feel the way do i feel why do i say the things that i say and why are these things happening to me versus why i don't feel the ability to choose what i want to happen yeah. to me happen for me or whatever and so i think it boils down to asking the right questions in 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 any scenario Mm-hmm. And when you can start to do that, it's like, oh, actually, we do have the power to change our entire universe we, in, in our entire world, right? And it's just how we address, how we respond to said questions. And that can all be happening within ourselves. It, yeah. may, not, it may not manifest externally. It might simply be happening in between our ears. Yeah. It might simply be happening from the feet to our, the top of our heads, our you know, spectrum, our aura yeah. field, right? There's a lot of things that can change within just this field without having to do anything outside. So what does that look like physically? That could be meditation. It could be breath work. It could be doing the tough things, you know, like doing a cold plunge or taking a cold shower or not always having it perfectly warm in our homes or perfectly, you know, during the winter or perfectly cool during the summer. It's 
it's a lot of things, right? It's a lot of things. Like for instance, I just finished my second round of doing a prolon five day fast. Yeah. And when I mentioned this to people, you know, if they're asking me, oh, what are you up to this week? Or because people know I'm always doing something, right? It's interesting the amount of responses I get from it, just yeah. from me saying what I did. People are like, oh my goodness, I could never do that. And you do fasting? Oh, I've heard that that was bad. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> like, have you thought about why you're even saying what you're saying? Mm-hmm. Like, what, what, why are you putting your fears onto me or trying mm-hmm. to put your fear onto me? You know, yeah. you asked me a certain question. I told you what I did, but now you're trying to impose your fear upon my, on me. It doesn't work. I understand where it's coming from, but, you know, have you tried it? <laughs> you know, it's just like, try it. So, I yeah, that, that's, that's awareness. I wanted to take a quick break from today's episode to chat with you about our Young Goose skincare products and our special offer for uh, podcast listeners only. Our products provide you with skin regenerative therapy that corrects the cellular damage that is accumulated over time and aims to lower the functional age of the skin. If you're a first time uh, Young Goose customer, we are offering the listeners of this podcast 20% off their first order by using the promo code PODCAST20 during checkout. If you are a long time user and have already tried our products, we highly appreciate you coming back, coming back to this podcast and listening to us, and also coming back and using our products. And we would like to offer you 10% off with the promo code PODCAST10. I think also, you know, I, I'm in love with, with awareness. And I think also, I don't know if you've, if you've heard about or read the book Atomic Habits, which is one of my favorite books. I think we are, we are even more creatures of habit than what, than what the book suggests. I think anything that we are is actually a habit. There is no center. There is no, there is no myself. Obviously, we have our DNA. We have the, the things that our body is going to do or not do or the way it's going to react to things. But really, everything in our identity is just a learned habit that we've associated ourselves with. And the concept of awareness is maybe the concept of understanding that in every moment, you're either perpetuating a habit or building a new one. And um, knowing if it's, if you're at the right, if, if that's having conscious choice, or is it a habit I want to cultivate or do I want to choose a different habit at, at that point in time is really the set, the essence of awareness. As you said, you could do it in a hundred different ways, but really what you're doing, if you're doing a cold, cold plunge, if you're doing sauna, if you're going to the gym, if you're doing anything that your brain instinctively telling you, maybe I don't want to do it right now, is you're breaking that, is you're, you're injecting awareness into your into your decision Mm. you're choosing something that is not that is not conditioned into you so i mean that's genius the fact that this is the way that your book is called and everything like that yeah i find that to be very interesting how you pointed that out because you know one can look at that as uh nurture versus nature or nature Mm -hmm. versus nurture or the chicken and the egg and i look at it as the awareness of such concepts right? Yeah. It's, it's the, it's almost like a, a level above all of that because it's, it's having the awareness of it, mm-hmm. right? Because yeah. there's nurture, there's nature, but then there's a blend of the two as well, right? And there's this spectrum. 
And I think every, things are always shifting, right? So there's habit and then there's the opposite of habit, right? Yeah. There's, you know, there's habit and there's chaos or, mm -hmm. you know, or whatever, right? And so, but being able to have this sort of overarching, omniscient view of it all is what I consider to be awareness. Yeah. It's like understanding how you might react when someone challenges your belief and, you know, being able to kind of, without having to say a word, to be able to understand what's happening in a, in, in a room before you enter. And then how do you keep that energy the same or how do you enhance it? Yeah. And it's, it's not enhancing it as in changing it necessarily, but how do you blend in with it? But it's also, it's just having this awareness before even stepping in. No one has to tell you anything. For instance, you walk into a home and you, you smell something and you also notice that there's shoes lined up against the side, right? Hopefully no one has to tell you that like, oh, maybe they just made dinner mm -hmm. and, you know, maybe I should mention that I'm on a diet. Maybe I'm fasting. <gasps> you know, I didn't say anything, right? Like there's a number of things that can happen before a word is even said, Yeah, you know, like, oh, did I forget to bring a gift because I, they did say that it's <laughs> dinner and I, I didn't bring anything. And, and, and why would I dare walk into their home? It's been raining and snowing outside and there's a bunch of shoes on the side and the coats are hanging here. Why would I walk in and leave my shoes on and keep my coat on? Right. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's a number of things that can happen and that's called awareness. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, and it, maybe that's breaking the habit, right? Cause if you always walk into someone's house and take your shoes off, when they tell you to, to keep your shoes on, that's a choice to go, well, you know what? I actually feel more comfortable. Even though mm -hmm. I know you want me to keep my shoes on, I feel more comfortable. I've been in this situation, you know? Yeah. And so, yeah, anyway, we could go on a rabbit hole on that. But yeah. That's yeah, definitely. I mean, that's, I mean, that is a rabbit hole. I think that's one of the journeys of life. So, okay. So you've introduced to your client the idea of awareness or you, you've, I don't know even if to call it to introduce, but you've woven into the, into their front, the front of their mind. How do you in, can, into yeah. their psyche into yeah. their psyche how do you continue from then on like how do you link it to the other pillars to your system okay great point and i'm glad you brought that up because it, it allows me to kind of reflect or at least to kind of reframe re my response to everything mm -hmm. because everything that I've, we've mentioned so far is not a vocal conscious thing yeah. that's happening to them from their perspective it is from my perspective, right? It's it's subconscious, but I know it's consciously happening happening all the time because that's just how I operate, right? Mm -hmm. But it's very the person that's sitting across from me, unless they're listening to this podcast right now, <laughs> would never know these things are happening. So mm -hmm. it might be a certain question that may cause a response that you're you're not likely to have been asked before, or it may you know, be a type of question that, that forces you to respond in a certain way. Or I might challenge you to say, Hey, I know that you were referred to me by so-and-so by your friend. Mm -hmm. What is it about what they said caused you to actually reach out to me? Mm -hmm. That's a very different response, right? Yeah. And, and it's like, whatever that response is, there's a number of things happening, right? So I'm, I'm kind of assessing how long are they taking to answer that question? You know, are they trying to come up with something? Because like, look, mm -hmm. let's face it. I want you to be candid with me because I want to be candid with you. If you're, you're simply in front of me now because we booked a session because you think that 
you you like my brand on on social media fine say it say that that's fine yeah. because that's going to help us get to where we need to get because ultimately i want you to be optimized right and i want you to be aware of how you're acting therefore you can be aware of why i'm treating this situation the way i'm treating it mm -hmm. right if you're treating me like this celebrity that's on social media that you want to connect with then i'm going to give you that yeah. i'm going to whip out my phone we're going to put make reels out of everything that we do and then it, it is what it is right uh -huh. yeah but if you're there because you really need the work and you really want the work i'm going to find that out you know i'm also the, the first person to tell you that i might not be the right person for you mm -hmm. period and i'm yeah. fortunate enough and i i don't take this lightly but i'm fortunate enough to be in a situation in my career to be able to pick and choose some of the clients that i work with mm -hmm. so that I think needs to be addressed, right? Because it's it's like it's just a conversation in the beginning. Mm -hmm. Now, I do have some clients who are like, Josh, I've heard you on this podcast and I know you do all this and that, but I don't have time for it. I just want to train. I want to exercise. Cool. Mm -hmm. You know what? As soon as you get in, change your clothes. I'm going to look at how you walked when you came in. Are you slumped over? Are you, is your head down? Are you always on your phone? Do you have to have your phone on you? Do you want to like... You know, there's a number of things happening. If you've got shoes on, I'm, chances are I'm going to have you take off your shoes, see how you react to that. When you take off your shoes, do you also take off your socks? Because that's also another piece to it. And then there's a lot of questions that get asked, right? Like, I want to see how comfortable you are when you, you come from outside, you take off your shoes. Some people don't want to take off their shoes because A, their feet stink probably, <laughs> right? <laughs> Which is another issue, right? Or... Yeah. Some people take off their shoes, but they don't take off their socks because they don't want their feet to be seen. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of trauma behind that. Yeah. A lot of trauma behind that. Right. But if I can say to you, okay, yeah, please go ahead and take off your socks as well. If you don't mind. Right. Yeah. Because you know, I don't, maybe I don't want you to slip or I believe that if, if, if the reason for me to take off your shoes is because I need your foot to splay every time you take a step, then what do you think socks do, mm -hmm. right? Socks create this webbing that still forces, you know, it, it may allow you to go a little bit more open than a, say a rigid shoe, but it still creates this restriction throughout the, the toes and the entire foot. And the foot is our foundation. It's, it's what we stand on yeah. physically, like so literally and figuratively, right? And so, why don't we start there by addressing everything from the ground up, right? Yeah. And again, it goes back to a double entendre there, right? So grounding this sort of these uh, electrons to help neutralize this positive flow, these, these positive ions that mm -hmm. have a very negative effect, right? There's a lot that can be, again, rabbit there holes is. I can go down. <laughs> there is, and, and to be honest with you, uh, until now, and, and it's incredible that we're talking to someone who gets physical results in the physical world and all all we've been talking about now, even if we talk about feet splaying and getting cues from, from the ground, it is all about the way you communicate with your client's brain because mm. the feet are the really the foremost information gatherer from our physical world, right? They are the first ones who shoot information about anything that's happening beneath our feet. Yeah, there's, there's more proprioceptive uh nerves in the in the bottom of the foot than any other part of the body yeah and i mean and that says a lot because 
at the end of the day, proprioception, I talk about it in my book, but it just it simply lets you know where you are in space. Mm -hmm. And that's quite important <laughs> in terms of awareness, right? If awareness yeah. is a big deal, I think kind of knowing where you are or knowing where you are not is very important, period. That's all I got to say about that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so we've, we've gotten this guy there or girl or they, them, and we got, uh, we got them to take the shoes off. What then? What is the, what's the next right. step in your system? Okay, so the, the rest of it probably will look and feel more close to what a conventional session might look like, at least in terms of finally getting the person to move. Okay, yeah. so up until this point, it's all kind of, you know, just assessing everything from the way the person speaks to, you know, if they got sleep or not or whatever. So one of the first things that I do is called MAP which is an acronym that stands for movement analysis pattern. Mm -hmm. And so I have, uh, I created this, this 10 step protocol that allows me to see what's happening with the person physically. And it gives me a chance to see how they move. Right. And to also allow them to see what's happening physically and, and how they might perceive that they move. Right. So yeah. There's this, there's this, what we call a conscious unconscious feedback loop, right? And so there's the very, very real difference between what you think you're doing, right? Ver like, so unconsciously you think you're doing something and maybe it's incorrect to consciously understanding that it is incorrect mm -hmm. to then consciously understanding that you're doing it correctly eventually to then subconsciously or unconsciously doing it correct every time. Yeah. Right. And so I want to take a person through that. And one of the best ways to do that is by photos or video or mirror. Mm -hmm. Right. And it doesn't have to be a physical mirror. It doesn't have to be a camera or a phone or anything like that. It can simply be me doing it with you. And so sometimes, you know, I do, let's say we're going to do MAP five rounds. The first two rounds, I usually do it with the person because one, I want them to understand the moves the first round. Second round, I want I, I will show them what they're doing if they're doing something incorrectly. Mm -hmm. For instance, movement number one, and you can find this on online on my YouTube or even I think on my Instagram. But step one is a deep squat with your elbows anchored inside your knees. You're in the bottom of a deep squat, you know, getting as deep as you can. What I'm looking for is to see if you can keep your feet somewhat straightforward. If your heels and your feet are flat to the ground, do your ankles and knees collapse inward or they, you know, are you able to anchor your elbows inside with your hands mm -hmm. uh, pressing your, your knees apart? Are you able to maintain a, a, um, a stable midline throughout mm -hmm. your back? There's a number of things happening here, right? Also, is this a relaxing position or is this very, very challenging for you? Are you grunting? Are you sweating? Are you shimmering, shivering? So, but like, let's say maybe their heels are raised. Mm -hmm. I mean, what I might say is, okay, can you flatten your foot? And that might be the first thing that goes off in their brain. They go, oh, I didn't realize my foot was lifted. My foot, my heel was elevated. Mm -hmm. So that's the conscious, that's the conscious like situation of doing it wrong, right? So it's conscious feedback of you doing it improperly. Yeah. Uh, first it was unconscious. Now it's conscious. You make the correction. It's consciously, you have conscious feedback. All right. Okay, great. Let's move on to the next step. And then we do the second round, third round, fourth round, and you do it right every time. That's a very real moment to, to address a lot of things. Yeah. Also, what that served as was a warm-up. Mm -hmm. It also is a check-in, something that could be done every single day. Because 
one of the things I, I did not like when I came up through the ranks getting various certifications, there was all these assessment protocols out there that allowed a person to check off and then you do it once a year, once a month. And it was like, I did the assessment, I passed, now I'm good to go. Yeah. For me, I want to I want to do this assessment every day, right? Or every time that I'm going to go move, right? Because why not? Because yeah. the Josh of today is very different than the Josh a week from now or the Josh a week ago, right? Mm -hmm. Because maybe I went to play basketball for three hours and I'm sore as hell today, right? Or, you know, whatever. I may have rolled an ankle or something. So I want to have real-time feedback on how to best give you what you need today, the person that's in front of me, mm -hmm. not the person that was here a week ago or a year Absolutely. ago. Absolutely. Yeah, still still talking, it's incredible, still talking about real-world results, but really talking about that building of a strong foundation, habitual foundation, awareness foundation, greasing that groove of professionalism, you know? That's, uh, we're, we're starting to get to the, to how do you address it as a top performer? I mean, I assume mm. most people within, within your scope of training they do get it because they do it, let's say, on stage. You know, a good musician is going to go through their checklist, even though they've been performing for the last 40 years. It's still the same checklist that got them to where they were, you know, year one, year five, whatever. So it, I assume it is quite simple to explain to them the importance of the MAP protocol within, within the results that they're trying to achieve, you know? Right, right. Yeah. And you know, what's also interesting too, is everything is, well, most everything in my system is by design, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I called out that I do the first two rounds with a person because yeah. one, I want them to learn the first round. I want them to learn the moves. Second round, I do it so I can sh mirror what they're doing or make some corrections or simply just go through a second round. So they have a second opportunity to do it. But then the third round is when I purposefully, I don't do it with them. Yeah. because I want to see how they react. Were they simply just watching me and not processing? Or were they actually processing and now they, they pick it up on their own? But yeah. I also know that it's very different on what's happening in the brain when you are teaching something versus being led, right? Like when you're yeah. following something versus leading something. It's very different and how that acts, right? And then I can... I can get them to teach it back to me, right? Or teach it to some, someone else. Or the next time they come to a session, I don't even show them anymore. I say we do yeah. MAP. And all these things start to happen in their brain immediately. They all of, all of a sudden, they're not thinking about them being late because of the subway. They're not thinking about what's going to happen for lunch. They're not thinking about what you know argument they had with their wife last night or whatever. It's like, I need to recall what I did last time I was here. Mm -hmm. Again, there's a number of things that are happening and I'm just kind of opening the kimono, like what happens in a session, but this is all happening in real time. And it looks like, like the snap of a finger. It's like, yeah. Brrr. One of my favorite products and indeed the product that started at all, the first product we ever released is Care, which is an NAD boosting moisturizer. And if you haven't heard about NAD, this is the most important molecule in our body uh, and is also called the uh, fountain of health of youth so what care does it raises nad levels in the skin and not only that it also uh, uses enhanced resveratrol and nine other supporting ingredients 
providing the ultimate fuel for your skin's regenerative processes to dramatically improve deeper lines, brightness, texture, and pores, aside from being a longevity supplement for your skin, making sure that your skin is healthy, vibrant, and looks amazing for many, many years to come. So uh, give care a chance. You know, it's, it's interesting, as a skincare company, we have crazy, crazy aspirations, right? We have like uh, things that we want to achieve with, with people's skin, etc., that are quite off the beaten path of, of communication, of, of usage. And when we started, like the first year or two years, we really tried to do everything together. We really tried to have these open concept products that people really needed to become a PhD in, in Young Goose in order to apply. But since we've learned that we really need to go from the ground up, We've changed our approach, and and um, for the first for the for the last year and a half, two years, what we've been trying to do is to get people to understand our systems in a very rudimentary level, in a very basic level. And our plan in the next few years is really take those people who have done programs with us that are pretty simple. Products are still called serum cream, whatever mask, whatever that may be. But then really try to understand themselves, try to understand their skin in this day in this time of month, in this type of hormonal expression for that matter, and then try to really have their innate understanding of how their skin reacts with the product and apply it to that day. So what you're doing, obviously, you're way ahead of us in, 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 in the education of your, of your trainee, but that is obviously the, the goal that, that anyone who is trying to get results is aiming for, right? That the brain firing in an automatic sequence that is habitual, that tries to get the person to, to do the right thing every time without thinking it. Right, right. Oh, yeah. So MAP is, is, is constant. So what changes is it according to the results of the person? Do you start working on strength first and then, and then uh, doing the rest? What is the foundation as far as movement goes? Well said, yeah. So... Again, the movement analysis pattern is simply to serve as a an uh, analyzation of the moment, but also as a warm up. Mm -hmm. And then from there, I go into more bigger movements. I have this thing called joint rolls, mm -hmm. and um, I, I love to use the the play of words throughout most everything I do. And because I'm a I'm a plant medicine advocate. I always make the joke, especially if it's the first time of, you know, not this kind of joint roll, but, you know, <laughs> we're actually rolling through the joints, right? And so I say things like this just so people, you know, because we're, we're motivated by by stories, right? And sometimes mm -hmm. if it's funny, you know, whether it's immature or not, it helps people to kind of remember, right? For sure. And so I like to use as much as I can to get that going. But I, I start after MAP, we usually go into joint rolls mm -hmm. and every single client that's ever worked with me most likely knows it. <laughs> and it starts by standing on one leg and rolling the ankle of the foot or rolling through the toes first, right? And so yeah. we're working from the ground up again and we roll through the the toes, the, the ankle, then we do knee rolls, then we do mm -hmm. hip rolls, then we do wrists, elbows, shoulders, spine, neck, right? And then from there, we go into bigger, even bigger movements, things like jumping jacks, running in place, leg swings and arm swings. And then I usually have a number of tools that I will introduce into a session that will then help to further that, right? But I always start from like this, this analysis, then joint rolls, 
and then more dynamic movement and then blah, then becomes the session. And mm -hmm. it, it depends on if it's a first time client versus, a you know, someone I work with constantly that will dictate where we go. But I also like to make sure that every person has good, uh, you know, a good amount of ability from like the primitive movement patterns. Yeah. So almost everyone that I work with knows how to crawl. Mm -hmm. They, they know the names of different movements and they, they know how to do a kick through. They know how to, you know, to do a proper squat a lunge, you know, all the, the, the primitive ancestral movements. Right. Yeah. And then if I see that it's necessary, you know, we might look into running, yeah. you know, like I'm a barefoot running coach. We might look into, you know, utilizing electrical muscle stimulation, which is a mm -hmm. big part of what I do. You know, we might look into supplements. We, I love using rope flow. I don't know if you've seen my videos with me yeah. using the rope flow, but again, like all of these things are just to sort of introduce something to the session, but it's not the be all end all. Yeah. It's not that, you know, like I don't need someone in front of me to, to, to cure them of whatever they think I can cure them of. I'm here to just, as you said, at the very beginning to be a guide. Yeah. I'm guiding you along and I might be holding this lamp or you might be holding the lamp and I'm just, I'm, I'm we're here on the journey together, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so definitely. Yeah. Quick, quick question about the joint rolls. Is, is this something in, and I'm, I'm a firm, firm believer in some people would call it like controlled articular rotation, joint rolls, exploring the, the end points of your, of your joint mobility. Is it something that you are trying to have people do every day? Is it something you're trying to have people do when they are when they are doing a session with you? Because you know, taking it back to us and, and, and the skin or the body as a whole and understanding the skin through it, the body basically reinvents itself every day, right? We are we are mm -hmm. basically a manifestation of the stress that we've put in our body previously and that stress basically defined what our cells now understand that they need to do how often do you recommend that people do that or tr try to demand that people do that great question and it all comes back to awareness mm -hmm. right what i've realized over my extensive career you know almost two decades of training i realized that we are all different in what motivates us to do what we yeah. want to do and when I used to say we should exercise, you know, every day, we should do some kind of movement every day. I mean, I had to look myself in the mirror and be aware that even I wasn't doing that. So how yeah. could I justify looking myself in the mirror and saying to my, all my clients, you need to do this every day, but I'm not doing it. Yeah. Right. So I started to shift things and say, do it when you feel it. Yeah. Right. If you're going to move or play. Right. So, you know, I, I, I like to say movement instead of exercise, which is yeah. why I say, you know, quality activeness over quality exercise, because quality exercise denotes to me, at least in, in the way I think about things is like a specific time, place situation, whereas movement happens all the time, even while we sleep, yeah. right? There's things moving while we sleep. So when you're going to consciously involve yourself in some sort of movement time or movement practice, then I would say to make sure you have MAP and joint rolls in your repertoire. Yeah. Right. Because if nothing else, it's going to help you to better prepare. Now, if you are about to cross the street and there's only two seconds left on the light and there's cars about to speed off, you're not going to sit there and do MAP and joint rolls before you run across the street. Right. But <laughs> when you have 
when you're if if you're constantly moving and 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 adhering to pillar number four with quality activeness consistently, then you're going to be consistently prepared for mm -hmm. those moments, right? So it is a kind of like a catch twenty two, but I would say do it as often as you're capable. Mm -hmm. That that's what I would say. And the reason why I'm not a as big of a fan of cars is because cars is almost done in a way that is very specific. Yeah. And I got less compliance when I used to do that, right? It was cool for the moment because of something different, something new. But the one thing that I could have anybody do, if I said, hey, let's do a series of joint rolls and then let's get into our work, mm -hmm. my clients will do it and I can go and set up the stations. Yeah. And I, they, you know, but cars, they're like, well, you know, is it hip cars in which position? And do I need to grab this? I and agree. Okay, well, you know what I mean? So yeah. not only that, I agree. I agree that, I mean, like, again, you, you again are vindicating the, the approach of the mental approach that you take everything that you look, uh, the, the, the glasses that you look through everything, because we're really talking about end results and compliance. Like cars are definitely a very important, uh, I don't know, discovery. The fact that we need our joints to move in order for them to function properly throughout the eons or whatever. But the problem is, as you said, is that it is such a, a really rigid mentally kind of movement pattern that it is not fun to do. It is boring. It's not, it's, it takes a lot of time. It, you don't remember if you did this or not, or, you know, so having it, having, finding the middle ground of still getting that mo joint mobilization plus, you know, having it in a, in a, in a very, uh, let's say, you know, fun or, or playful or friendly way is definitely the happy medium that, that would work again, as you said, within a system. Right. And, and, and to add to that, you know, remember I talked about the joint role, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So talk, I mean, that's a little bit easier to remember, to have mm -hmm. fun with because it has this double entendre and like, maybe you are a person that's rolling a joint every day. And so maybe yeah. every time you roll a joint, you might be thinking about rolling your joints, right? <laughs> versus, versus what, what does cars even stand for again? And cars <laughs> and like, wait, what are you talking about? Right. You get what I'm saying? So it's like, I do. I, this was all within myself. So, you know, if I want the best compliance, cause to your point, it's like, you know, whatever protocol I might suggest to someone is only as good as what someone one is willing to carry out. 100%. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah I love, I, I mean, that's so true. And, and in general, that is, I think, what is unique in your approach, the approach of understanding the end user and what they would do and how they would do it and how you can get the best end results and not be a Puritan because cars is an example of, 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 of being a Puritan, right? Like taking this one, one, you know, one source of demand or information or whatever, and focus, hyper-focusing on it to the exclusion of incorporating it in your life. And um, yeah, and, and, and that is our, the dichotomy that we deal with every day. Every day we can say, you know, we can look at a specific longevity pathway and create a product that, that is, I don't know, mousse-based that you only need to put in 45 degrees into your skin under direct sunlight in, 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 uh, 1145 every day. <laughs> and, uh, but, but the problem is, is that the compliance is going to be close to zero. And I mean, that we have passed over protocols that do that. I mean, we have a hyperbaric mask. It mimics being a hyperbaric tank, you know, for your skin. And the best time to use it is between 11 to midnight. 
but what what is the best time does it improve it by five percent by ten percent by mm. by by one percent you know should we even be that puritan should we even talk about five percentages right or should we do something that would obviously have people have a simple system that they can follow so i mean the, be- the best time is the time you're gonna do it <laughs> exactly so listen joshua <laughs> We've covered a little bit from what you do, which is incredible. And I definitely want to have you in, on again, because I think we can talk about more specific things. But I want to ask you a few questions, because the most important thing is that people, uh, we say in Hebrew that uh, people drink from the, from the actual well, you know, not from mm. uh, where the water were, was brought to. So where is the best? Obviously, the book is probably the best way to get the information in a more concise way, where can people get the book? Where can people get information from you? How can they work with you? We're going to have everything in the show notes, but maybe someone's driving. So it's important mm. that people have it audibly as well. Absolutely. Thank you for the opportunity. I appreciate it. So one of the easiest ways to find the book, and by the time this comes out, the updated revised version that that is going to be self-published with my newly formed uh, company with my co-author, Tessa Cash, mm-hmm. that that company is going to be called Get Shifted Publishing. So the new book should be available soon, uh, as in, you know, a week from today or so. Great. You can go to books.joshuajholland.com. You should also be able to do a very quick search on Amazon uh, to find that. And, and then of course, you know, like you said, the show notes and then all the socials, it, everything, I am fortunate enough to have everything at Joshua J. Holland. So that's my first name, my middle initial and my last name all together. Great. And we'll make sure that we post a story about it when it's out. So people would know it's, uh, it's available because it is very important. You know, I remember, maybe we'll close with that. I remember when I was uh, 17, 16, starting to lift weights. And obviously, as a 16-year-old, you care about the specific body part that you that bothers you, right? It can be your arms, it can be your chest, whatever that is. I think for me, it was my chest or whatever. So I didn't train legs. Um, and then someone at the gym, you know, I had a conversation with him, some some guy that was obviously well, well much better informed than I am. And he, he go, goes, you know, you can train your chest, but it's not going to grow as well if you didn't train your legs or the rest of your body. Explain to me like blood flow, explaining to me like overall understanding of how fitness, how fitness works. So for me, it is the, the analogy is very important because if we're not going to move, if we're not going to have the right mindset, our skin's not going to look good, period, by the way. And obviously in other podcasts, we, we dive deep into like lymphatic drainage or or different uh, blood flow issues, demands on the body, etc. Obviously, <laughs> specific pathways like mTOR, NAD, whatever that is. But the, again, the, the Joshua J. Holland way of, of simplifying it, movement equals youth, period. And that is why I believe that the podcast we just had is one of the most important podcasts in order to cultivate it in people's conscious and subconscious. Uh, so I, I highly appreciate the time that you had here. Uh, Joshua uh, to share with us. Let's do it again. Maybe after the book is out, uh, and we can we can do it again. And, and uh, the revised version is out. We can do it again, so we can go over more specific things. I'd be yeah. happy to. Yeah, thank you. And and also, you know, anytime I'm on anyone else's podcast, and especially my own podcast, I always like to be sure to thank the audience because without mm-hmm. the audience and the support, then we wouldn't be doing what we're doing. 
So, you know, if you're, whether you're listening or watching, thank you for, for staying this long, especially I can, I know I can get long winded, but thank you for your support. And uh, if there's anything I can do to help, please reach out. Well said, well said. You know, I think the best, the best feeling you have in the world is when you realize people are like you, people understand what you're saying, where you're coming from, are interested in the way that you see the world. I think it's one of the best feelings one can have. So definitely uh, thank you everyone that, that, uh, was listening until now. Joshua, I wish you uh, continued uh, success and uh, with the book, with the podcast, everything like that. We didn't mention the podcast. So what is the name of the podcast and where can they find it? Yes. So it's called Simply Walk the Talk. And you can find that most likely I'm going to be, I, I'm always sharing it on my uh, my social channels, but we we also have a, a separate dedicated Instagram page and and Facebook, Twitter, all of that. And then you can go to the website simplywalktotalk.com. And then um, if you just do a search on any of your um, mm -hmm. favorite podcasting channels, you'll be able to find it there as well. Fantastic! All right, Joshua, thank you very much. Thank you to the audience, anyone who's listening, and uh, I wish you all the best and uh, happy New Year's, happy holidays. All the good stuff. Hello, everyone. So today we were talking with Joshua about exercise in general and also different aspects uh, that exercise can help in our lives. But I really wanted to take a few minutes and talk about how exercise can help us with our skin journey, with our skin anti-aging journey. And there is a, a direct correlation between uh, skin health and overall body health and exercise as well. One of the most important things that we can do in order to improve our skin health and the youthfulness of our skin long time is increasing blood flow uh, to the skin or increasing blood circulation in general in the body. There, there are a um, couple of reasons why. First and foremost, with blood come nutrients, uh, growth factors, basically all the building blocks that our skin needs in order to function correctly, to repair itself. Um, this is literally the uh, lifeline of our skin. Since this is the last uh, stop, if you would, of, the, of uh, blood, it is, uh, you know... Um, Impaired blood circulation significantly lowers skin health and vitality, even to the degree that some heart medications and uh, vasodilators, uh, which means uh, uh, medications that dilate blood vessels, were used off-label in order to improve skin health. I'm not going to mention which ones or how because <laughs> doctors uh, got in trouble for it. So. In general, just as an anecdote, blood circulation is extremely important. And what is also important within that circulation uh, dialogue is lymphatic drainage. So our lymphatic system is not controlled by a, by a pump like our blood does, like our blood circulation does. It relies on mu muscular contraction in order to, um, to work. And lymphatic the lymphatic system is basically the system that cleans out toxins and waste from our organs. And one of those organs is the skin. Um, obviously, we, we know of health practices such as gua sha um, or facial massage 
that improve lymphatic drainage and improve skin health, but exercise as a whole does that as well, is probably the thing that uh, we can do in order to improve lymphatic drainage the most. Within that conversation of toxin removal, of course, we, we can also talk about sweat. So sweat plays a big role in expelling toxins from the body, and it also helps unclog pores. So um, that is another aspect where um, movement and exercise can help the skin. But I think one of the bigger questions that we get is skincare before and after exercise, which is a pretty interesting uh, subject because a lot of people are not using any products before they, they uh, perform exercise, which could be positive for some aspects. But in general, we do recommend a few, a few products uh, to be used before, especially if you are uh, training outside. So in those cases, if, if you're going to be exposed to the sun, obviously a sunblock is extremely important. You can obviously use our BioShield, which will protect you also against the pollution that you will be exposed to if you're, if you're uh, training in an environment that, that has even a little bit of pollution. That is something that you're extra sensitive to when exercising since your pores are open, etc. So I uh, highly recommend using uh, BioShield for that. If you are training in a cold climate or in general, uh, one of the products that I like to use the most is our new BioBarrier Serum because it really improves the function of our skin barrier, prevents dehydration, prevents um, the damage that is going to be caused by cold air or warm air to the skin. So that combination is the combination I use. It's also a very light combination. That is another important aspect of pre-workout skincare that's going to be light. So I don't use a moisturizer uh, with those two together. I use our new bio barrier and then I apply a small amount of bio shield on my skin. That is if I'm training outside. If I'm training inside, I'm just going to use bio barrier. As for post-workout skincare routine, obviously it's very important to start with uh, cleansing our skin since we have uh, accumulated more bacteria on the skin. That is extremely important. But within, within those parameters, you should consider the fact that post-workout skin is especially delicate and is prone to microabrasions. So using a gentle cleansers such as our adaptogenic cleanser instead of a harsher cleanser or exfoliant is best. Okay, so avoid peels, uh, polishes, anything like that post-workouts and make sure that you use a gentle cleanser such as our adaptogenic cleanser. Next, obviously, I recommend when we, when we work out, we sweat, we can off-balance our uh, skin's pH, our skin's acid mantle, which means that products that we use together with after a post-workout might not work as well because if the skin is too acidic, these products are not going to absorb well. Um, so we want to use some kind of toner, and that's the, the purpose of a toner, to balance those, uh, those levels of pH. So I obviously recommend using our Bio-C peptide spray to balance uh, the pH of the skin and prep the skins for skin for serums and moisturizers. Post that uh, Bio-C peptide spray, now it is your time to choose your treatment serum. 
which uh, the skin will will absorb very easily and readily. Also because we worked out and our pores are open, etc., and there is blood flow, but also because we've balanced the pH. So a few options are our adaptogenic HA firming boost. This is a hydrating serum that doesn't doesn't only have uh, hyaluronic acid, but it also has other humectants that pe- penetrate much deeper into the skin and provide like a 3D type of hydration. That's one idea. I obviously use, again, I use BioBarrier again to really hammer in that repair of my skin barrier and prevent what we call leaky skin, which we have just written an email about. So if anyone wants to learn more about it, go there. Also because BioBarrier is, um, among other things, helping with free radicals, which might have, which, which we have accumulated more in the skin during workout. Another uh, great post-workout serum is our green tea phyto serum. It helps uh, post-workout skin with redness and blemishes and encourages a healthy glow. So this is another great serum to use post-training. Uh, You'd notice that I didn't mention ProCare. I didn't mention Bioretinol, even if it's nighttime or any other serum uh, like that. And that is because if we didn't wait an hour or two, we prefer not using such such strong stimulators um, because the skin is already a little bit more sensitive. So wait an hour or two if you if you would like to use these serums. Last but not least, moisturizing, which obviously is very important. Use eye care, which is our eye cream and care. Both of them have NAD precursors, uh, building blocks for NAD, NAD cellular fuel, which we have depleted during the workout. But in general, help the cells kind of rebound, recover, and use the most, the, 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 the most amount of nutrients and, 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 and um, vitamins, uh, oxygen that is supplied with that extra blood. So highly recommend uh, using uh, care and eye care in the end. And uh, that, that would complete um, a skincare routine post-training. Obviously at night, I highly recommend if it was a hard, harsh workout, hard workout, Highly recommend using our, our hyperbaric mask after uh, our care moisturizer to increase what is called ATP, which is the, the end product of that cellular fuel, um, and also increase oxygen utilization, activate some longevity pathways, so and collagen production. Very beneficial to use them together. But that's basically um, a, a uh, skincare routine post-workout. A few things that I, that first of all, what I would like to remind you is that both workout and skincare should be consistent and that is the most important so these two things done on a daily basis are more important than what is really being done so cultivating a good skincare habit cultivating a good exercise habit being consistent is the most important aspect of these two and not necessarily if we choose this or that uh, specific exercise specific product being consistent obviously is is the most important additional information that i would like to remind you is to boost uh skincare routine and exercise both we really really want to make sure we drink a lot of water we want to eat a healthy diet which we talk a lot about here in the podcast and we'll we won't get into this now but but highly recommend looking into diets that we recommend last but really not least is obviously getting enough sleep Wear a wearable device that tracks your sleep, such as Oura Ring 
whoop strap, bio strap, or something like that, that you know what's going on with your body, that you're not pushing your body over the limit, but also that you're not taking it easy on yourself. And yeah, finding that balance. Um, and that those wearable devices would also tell you how, you know, what is your sleep requirement and when would be the best time to go to sleep. If you remember, we had a podcast, uh, which we got a lot of uh, great feedback on about the fact that we uh, recommended to be asleep between the hours of 11 p.m. and midnight, since that is the time where our skin turns over the most, So, which means that it renews itself in a higher rate, whether we're asleep or awake. So if we're asleep, we're supporting that process in a much more robust way. So bear that in mind. I wish you all a happy training and happy skincare routine. And until the next time, thank you very much for joining us.